Well, what's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, let's give it up for them, man. We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us today as we are in week two of a series we're calling Love Handles, and we're talking all about the dynamics of relationships because I, I don't know about you, but relationships happen to be one of my favorite subjects because here's what I know. We all deal with relational uh, issues, problems, successes, and here's what I know about uh, the relational problems and uh, the relational tensions that we have is that they did not start like an hour ago on the way to church. Church. Like they've been happening for a long time in our life. And so this week I was on the Google and I, I found some, some notes that teachers had found from kids and their students. And I thought I would share with you to kind of show how relationship issues just start from, from day one. And so here's this first one. It, it says, it's a girl reading to this guy. She goes, but are you ready to be there when I'm mad? or need to cry, and I can't do things that I can't do without anyone but you? He says, yes, I'm ready, unless I'm eating fried chicken. <laughs> Here's a man who has his priorities straight. She goes, so chicken is more important than me? He goes, only fried chicken, <laughs> and only when I'm hungry, but if not then, you're the only thing that I care about. Guy is set up for success in his relational world. Uh, uh, how about this one? This is, this is from, this is on Valentine's Day. It says, dear Wendy, I know this is weird, but I like you so much. I didn't want to tell you because you will just hit me in the middle just like you hit me the last time. <laughs> Wendy's a little bit violent in the relationship here. I got something for you. I hope you like it. If you had liked me, like, I, I will take care, care, care of you. Listen, he isn't going to care for her one time, not two times, but he's going to care, 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 care for her. If you have a boyfriend, then that's, that's fine. I will not be sad. I will buy you whatever you want, even a hundred pairs of shoes, too. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. Love, Julian. I don't know if you figured this out, but Julian is like a baller at eight years old. He's already figured out a way to a woman's heart is a hundred pairs of shoes. <laughs> Julian's got some options now that girls know that he's loaded. Anyways, that's a, anyways, have you ever seen the yes or no? It, it says, dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. She goes, no. I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. That will probably be in a month or two. She's already lining them up. She's figured out how the game, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? She's, she's figured out the game already. Here's another one. Do you like me? Yes or no? She goes, I don't know. I don't know myself yet. I'm under a lot of stress at home, so I can't tell. P.S. You don't know yourself until you're 18. This girl, this girl's got something going on. Teenagers, or all of you sitting down here up front and throughout the crowd, take some, some cues from this chick. She's got it figured out right here. You don't know yourself until you're 18. I would even say some of y'all don't even know yourself until you're 37. So it's a, but, but this is my favorite one of them all. This is the best one. He says, I love you with all of my butt. I would say heart, but my butt is bigger. 
That kid right there has got a future in greeting cards. I don't care what you say. He's got it figured out. I wanna talk to you today, church, about the number one killer in relationships. And, and I know some of you are already thinking, well, well, I, I know what that is, but I wanna tell you whether it's your friendships, whether, whether it's your sibling uh, relationships, whether it's a parent-child relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, I think that a lot of us suffer from a root issue, and it's an issue that all of us have when it comes to our relational world. And it gives a lot of us difficulty in our relationships. So I wanna talk to you about the number one killer of relationships, and here's what I want from you. I don't want you to be thinking about who somebody else that you know needs to hear this today because that's what a lot of people do when I talk about something like this. I believe that you're here on purpose and with a purpose and for a purpose. And so this message today is actually for you because this is an issue that everyone deals with and if we aren't careful, it will begin to creep in and destroy our relationship. So if you're ready to hear the number one relationship killer, say yes. yes. Come on, say yes, church. Okay, the number one killer of relationships is selfishness. Write it out in your notes, selfishness. And we're gonna deal with this issue because I think it's something that every single one of us deal with and because I don't think that there is anything that is out there that has plagued more relationships, that has destroyed more marriages, that has created more tension and sibling rivalries than this thing called Selfishness. Now, let me define selfishness for you. Selfishness is being concerned with one's own interests above the interests of others. And, and so what that means is it's all about my needs. It's all about what I want. It's all about how I feel. And it's crippling our relationships right now. And I would say it's probably killing some of your relationships right now. And it's something that every single one of us deals with because it's just a part of life. Like it is a part of our culture today. It's why we say things like, do whatever makes you feel good. Follow your hearts. Always look out for number one. You do you, boo boo. We say statements like treat yourself, have yourself a day. And listen, I'm all for self-care and I'm all about taking care of who you are. But when selfishness begins to creep into your relationships, it, it, it will end up killing who we're called to be as a spouse, who we're called to be as a parent, who we're called to be as a friend, because it's not just in our culture, it's actually in our nature as well. Let me explain it to you. If I were to take a picture of this section right here or whatever section you're in and I were to send that picture to you and I were to say, hey, is this a good picture to post online? Here's what I guarantee you would do. You would find yourself in that picture and you would make sure you look good and if you look good, you would go, that's a great picture to post. It wasn't because you scanned through every person on every row to make sure that nobody had their pants down or nobody was cross-eyed or had spinach in their teeth. No, no, no. All you cared about was, do I look good? And if I look good, then it's all good. Why? Because of selfishness. And we all have a little bit of this 
in us. It is not just our nature. It's our upbringing. Parents, you'll, you'll understand this. If you have a child and they have toys in the room and some other kids come over to play, the moment another child picks up a toy that your child has not even imagined playing with in three years, what does your child say to that kid? Mine. Why? Because it's just in our upbringing. There are, we're just selfish in Nature, and I actually listed six signs of selfishness that is possibly in your life, and maybe you'll identify with some of these today. How about this one? Pursuing personal gain over the gain of the relationship. It, 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 it's, it's looking at the relationship and going, what can I get out of this instead of how can we grow together? How about this one? Not attending to the needs of others, so you're looking after your own needs and you're not concerned at all about the needs of someone else. How about feeling entitled to more than what the other person can offer? So you look at them and you go, you should, you should be giving me more time, you should be giving me more effort, you should be buying me more things. It's all about me, 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 me. And what ends up happening is we end up having a lack of empathy where we stop caring and we stop feeling and, and, and being concerned with how the other person feels because all we care about is how do I feel? Then we say things like, it's my way or the highway. And, and I wanna know where did we go from till death do us part till it's my way or the highway. It happens because selfishness has creeped into the relationship which causes us to begin to avoid sacrifice. And the moment we start avoiding sacrifice in the relationship, what that means is that we've made the relationship all about us because in any healthy relationship, sacrifice is gonna be an integral part of the relationship. That's why James says it like this in James 3, 16, for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is a disorder and every evil thing. And so if you're having struggles, if you have problems in your relationship, the root of it is there is probably some selfish ambition in that relationship. In fact, this week I, I put out a little poll on Instagram and Facebook for people and I said, hey, what's, what's the thing that destroys more relationships? And a lot of great answers were out there. We, we had answers like money, communication, intimacy. That's the reason that marriages and relationships are eventually destroyed. And those are all symptoms of a greater issue. The issue isn't that you have money problems or sex problems or communication problems. The problem is, is that the root is, is that you've become selfish. So you stop communicating because you want it to be all about you. You started spending in any way you see fit because you want it to be about you. You've withheld sex or you demand sex because you've made it all about you. And here's what I know. No, if we're going to deal with the root of selfishness and we'll rid ourselves of selfishness, all the other areas of our life will begin to improve. And so what happens is, is when we become selfish, there are things that creep into our lives. We, we begin to create more distance in the relationship and we create, there's more resentment in the relationship and there's more disagreements in the relationship and there's more doubt in the relationship. Is, and, and it's in those seasons where selfishness creeps in that the relationship begins to end. That's why C.S. Lewis, the great author, said selfishness 
has never been admired. So like nobody is admiring a selfish life. What do they look for? They look for couples that have been married for 40 or 50 or 60 years and people will ask questions like, what's the secret to your success? And nobody that's been married that long says, you know what the secret of my success is? Is me always being right. Nobody says the secret to my success is me always getting my way. Nobody says the secret of success is, is, is all they do is meet my needs. No, no, no. They say, you want to know how we're successful? Man, I, I, I serve them. I look for ways to add value to their life. Man, I, I'm constantly, it's a give and take. Like, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna compromise. We're gonna, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have discussions that are there. It, it's, it's all about how can I make them happy because I know that if I make them happy that eventually I will become happy. Why? Because that is what is actually admired in our world. So don't sit there and think that in a relationship, well, it's supposed to be all about me. And here's what I want you to walk away with today, church. It's, it's so important that you grab this. It's that selfishness is a cancer that must be intentionally removed from a relationship in order for it to survive. So if you want your friendships to survive, you want your marriage to survive, you want your relationship with your children to survive, you want, you want your sibling relationship to survive, you have to understand that selfishness is a cancer and we don't treat cancer lightly. What do we do? We identify it, we cut it out and we remove it so that the relationship can survive and it's not until you remove the selfishness from your relationships that you will ever thrive in the way that God wants you to thrive in your relationship. So we have got to do this and we have got to rid ourselves of selfishness today. So the question is, is how do we do that? And what I love about God is that God doesn't just present us with problems that, that we need to figure out. He actually gives us solutions through his word and he actually gives us the, the antidote or the remedy to selfishness in our lives in Philippians chapter two. And if, if you wanna follow along there, I'm gonna give you some, some solutions here out of Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, what's he saying right here? He's saying, I want you to be in good relationships with each other. I want you to get along with each other. There shouldn't be all this drama. There shouldn't be all this bickering. There shouldn't be all this fighting. There actually should be a unity among you. So how do we do that? In the next verse, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That word vain conceit is where we get our word vanity. He's saying, listen, listen, don't be a narcissist. Don't make everything about you in life because the moment you make everything about you, you begin to destroy the relationships. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, our standard of relationship is not the standard that this world puts on us. Our standard is simply this, that we would have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And if you think about Jesus who lived on this earth, he was the most selfless, sacrificial 
servant that ever was on the face of earth. And he gave us an example of how you and I are to treat other people. So how does that play out? And how do we put that into practice in our lives? I wanna give you three ways to overcome selfishness from this, this passage of scripture here today. The first one is this, is you have to remember how God redeemed you. You have got to remember that you are as a Christian and as a Christian, we understand that I am not great, that God is incredibly great. Anytime we start believing our own press, that we are something special, that we're something to be admired, that we are a big deal, we have missed it because it's not supposed to be about us, it's supposed to be about him. That's why in verse one, he says, therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying, I need you to get along. And what is rooted here is this idea that you and I, we've got to know who we are, what God has done in our lives, and how much God has saved us in this life. Like, if you walk around thinking everybody should treat me special, I'm a big deal. Like, everybody should be, like, making a big deal that I showed up here. We have missed it. We came from dirt. We're going to end up back as dirt. But it is by the grace of God that you've been saved, that you've been rescued, and that you've been redeemed. And I'm so glad he chose me, and I'm so glad he chose you. And we've got to remember this because this is the antidote to selfishness in life. This will help check us when selfishness begins to creep in. Earlier this year, I, I had a, a guy in our church that's become a good friend. He, he called me up one day and he said, hey, do you, do you want some heat tickets? And I was like, man, I, I, I love sporting events. I'd love to go to a heat game. And so he, he texted over some tickets and, and a parking pass. And he said, man, I hope you're gonna really enjoy this game. And, and Shayla and I, we'd only gone to a heat game and sat in like the nosebleed section. And so we're, we're excited. And, and so we rolled up and we're trying to figure out where we're supposed to park. And, and we realized that there's actually parking under FTX Arena. And, and our parking pass gave us access to that. And so we drive in and we show the attendant like, hey, this is where we're supposed to park. And they're like, oh, you're supposed to park right over here. And it like leads us right to like this VIP entrance where we like park right in front of this entrance. We walk up, we show them our tickets. They're like, that's great. They take us through this tunnel. All of a sudden we walk into this like Mac Daddy restaurant and lounge. It's for like VIP people. We're like, oh my gosh, what? This is incredible. There's food and there's drinks. And then we walk out and we're literally walking out on the courts. And I'm like, who is this guy that gave us tickets? Like, this is unbelievable. We sit down and we're sitting down next to like Jay Cole on one side. We got Mickey Arison right next to us. I'm like, I am like baller status for the first time in my life. I'm like, what's up world? It's like the most incredible, like we, people are coming and taking our order at the game, like serving, it's like, it was so amazing and so awesome. I was like, man, if anybody else wants to give me heat tickets, go ahead and, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, uh, and so, and so I'm like, that, that was like the most VIP experience I've ever had in my life at, at a sporting event. That was ridiculous. That was incredible. And then I started thinking to myself, what happens if I decided that the following week, I just decided I want to go to the heat game on my own. And I just rolled up to that parking section and I just said, hey, I I'm here. They're like, who are you? 
And then I, I tried to go through the VIP entrance to like the special club. They, they'd be like, we don't know you. You don't, you don't have any access. What if I went and tried to sit down next to Mickey Arison, the owner of the club? They, they would probably arrest me and take me to jail right there. Why? Because it wasn't about who I was. It was about who the guy got me in there was. And I want you to know, church, it's not about you. It's not about your gifts. It's not about your talents. It's not about your accolades that has gotten you to the place. It's the God of the universe who gave you every gift, who gave you every talent, who gave you every opportunity. It's not about about you it's about him don't believe that the blessing and the favor that you are experiencing in your life is because you've done something great it's because our God is great and we need to be people that we remember that we remember that he is a good God and he loves to bless his people. This is why it's important that we, we remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse three. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. We need to hear that phrase because I'm all about positive thinking. I'm all about doing self-affirmations every day. But we also got to live in some reality. He says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, like don't, don't get distorted. Don't get, it, don't get it confused. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So let's remember that every blessing in our life is but from the grace of God. Because here's what selfishness is. Selfishness is self-idolatry. What that means is that you are actually worshiping yourself instead of worshiping God. And our lives and our relationships are on the verge of collapse when we make life all about us. See, I've just learned that selfishness and entitlement, they, they go hand in hand. Both say, I deserve better, when in reality, we actually deserve death. And I, I've, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years that when I focus on his grace, I can't help but feel grateful. In fact, this is, this is a word that God gave me for this year for myself, is that like this is a year to be grateful. And so every morning I wake up and I, I turn over and I look at my beautiful bride and I'm like, God, thank you so much that you gave me such an incredible helper, that you gave me somebody that would love me for who I am and jacked up as I am and that we can do life together. It's so incredible. Then I, I was thinking about church this week and I'm like, God, thank you so much for giving us this incredible church to steward, God, that people would show up every weekend to listen to some bald, fat, jacked up dude talk about Jesus and that you would grace us with the opportunity to take care of people. Like, I am just overwhelmed because when I focus on his grace, I can't help but have an attitude of gratitude. But here's what I know, when I forget his grace, I can't help but feel entitled. Where I feel like, well, man, my wife is supposed to serve me. Like people are supposed to show up and think that I'm awesome and I'm great. And the moment that I do that, all of a sudden it's become all about me, myself, and I. And so Paul starts this off and says, you wanna rid yourself of selfishness? Just remember how God has redeemed you. Number two, you gotta seek to serve others. There's something about making it all about them, all about other people. I, I actually wrote it down like this. A perfect marriage is two selfless people 
working hard to outserve the other person. That's what a perfect marriage is. A perfect marriage is two selfless people hard working to outserve. Working hard to outserve the other person. So whenever you feel selfishness creeping in in your friendships, in your marriage, in your family, find ways to serve the other person. That's why Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Josh and Andrew, why don't you guys make your way up? Value others above yourself. That word value is an interesting word that Paul uses because the word value is typically not put in relationship terms. It's actually a financial term in scripture. And, and it, it is actually saying like, hey, here's what value is. You wanna put weight to it. You wanna put some numbers to it. And, and so here's what I know about every healthy relationship. Every healthy relationship is a lot like a seesaw. And some of you guys are gonna need this visual because you haven't figured it out yet. Here's what happens. There's a give and there's a take. There's a give and there's a take. And it's going back and forth and back and forth. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, listen, don't do life all about yourself. Instead, what you need to do, you need to value others above yourself. So what happens in a healthy relationship is that Josh looks at Andrea and he goes, you know what? I really value her. And because I value her so much, here's what I wanna do is I wanna serve her. So I realize we have four kids, that minivan that she drives, it's a mess. I'm gonna go get it cleaned. I'm gonna go put some gas in it. I'm gonna go buy her some flowers. And when he does that, he puts weight over here and all of a sudden, it tips the scale in her favor, and she feels the weight of that. She feels the value that he has placed on her life, and naturally, what she wants to do is she wants to feel valued, but she also wants to reciprocate that, and she goes, man, I feel so loved. I feel so valued that I want to give something back to Josh, and what I know about Josh is Josh loves coffee, so I'm going to get up early. I'm going to make him some coffee. I'm going to make him some eggs and bacon, and all of a sudden, she does that, and it just flips the script, and all of a sudden, Josh feels the value and the weight of the relationship because the opposite of being selfish in a relationship is being a servant. And so many of us, what we want in our relationships, we want somebody to serve us. The reason I got in a relationship, so I could feel better, I could feel happy, I could feel, I could feel valued, but the reality is, is that's not how relationships work. In fact, 1 Corinthians tells us no one should seek their own good but what we should be doing is we should be looking and going, man, how do I add value to the other person? Like, how do I take the weight and put it on their side and kind of flip the script in this moment so that they feel the weight of this? And here's what's interesting when they do this. You would think that in the moment where, where Josh values Andrea that he would feel less of himself. But here's what happens. Because scripture is so opposite of our mentality. When Josh values Andrea, he makes much of her and puts weight on her. You would think he would be low, but what ends up happening is he actually gets elevated. And so many of you guys are wanting to be elevated in the relationship, but you haven't realized that the elevation in the relationship, the honor and the worth and the value that you're looking for only comes from serving the other person. So my question for you, church, is this, is when is the last time you intentionally serve someone you love? When's the last time? Because a lot of us, what we're doing is we're going, no, 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 I just expect you to serve me. 
Andrea could sit here and be like, Josh, all I expect, I just want you to serve, 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 serve. And, and I need to get things out of the relationship. But here's what you'll realize if that's the mentality that you have is selfishness is a drain on the relationship. And some of you are wondering why there's love lost in the relationship. It's because all you're doing is draining all the value out of the relationship by demanding things from the other person where service is actually a deposit in the relationship. And the problem for a lot of us is, is that we've been taking a lot more withdrawals than we've been putting in deposits and we wonder why we're bankrupt when it comes to capacity to love. And here's what I would challenge you with, church. In order to be rich in love, there has to be a lot more deposits than there are withdrawals. And a lot of us are making daily demands of withdrawals with very few deposits. And we've gotta flip the script on that and realize that, man, we've gotta seek to serve others. You guys did great, thank you. Then number three, I I gotta, sorry, don't flip her off there. (laughs) Number three, we have to, how do we overcome selfishness? Number three, we have to determine to die daily. And this is a phrase that we see all throughout scripture, but I don't know that we always understand it because if you're not careful, you'll, you'll walk into every relationship, you'll go, well, they aren't helping me, they aren't meeting my need, they aren't taking care of me, they aren't noticing me. And so many times, the biggest issue in our life isn't other people, it's ourself. It's our flesh. This is, I, and I hear marriages ending all the time because they're saying things like, well, they didn't make me feel this way. In fact, the one that I hear common all the time is, they are not making me happy. Since when is that the reason that you got into marriage for somebody to make you happy? Since when is that a reason to get rid of a marriage because they're not making you happy? See, the reality is, is when we gave our life to Jesus, our plans, our desires, our happiness, they died on the cross. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I die daily. Because in a relationship for it to be healthy, there has to be a daily dose of death, of my wants, my desires, my needs. And I realize this is so contrary to what the world tells you. But if you haven't noticed, the world's way is not working very well. It's actually an epic fail. So we're gonna continue to do it their way or we're gonna look and we're gonna start to do it God's way. Because we gotta say, it's not gonna be all about me, it's gonna be about them. That's why Philippians chapter two, verse four, Paul said, not looking to your own interests, which is weird because my interests are very interesting to me. Your interests, not quite as interesting to me. In fact, most of the time, I could care less about your interests because I'm very concerned with my interests. We had our son Alexander with us this weekend and uh, we were doing a going uh, a retirement party for our preschool director at our Lighthouse Point location and we had this big event going on where we had bounce houses and food and 
we brought our son out there, Alexander, and all he wanted to do was go play on the playground. And so for the first hour of the event, I was on the playground, playing on the playground. And let me just tell you something, I, 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 I loathe the playground. It's something about the playground. It just, it's just not my thing. And, and, and we're playing on the playground and he's, he's fake grilling hamburgers and hot dogs. And I'm like, son, we, we actually have real hamburgers and hot dogs right over there. Why don't, we, why don't we go over there? And I finally direct his attention over there. We go over, he grabs a, a, a hot dog and we start eating the hot dog. And I thought this is a great father-son bonding moment. Like we're gonna have some intentional conversation. I sit down, I look him eye to eye. I'm like, son, what's going on? He goes, pop, pop, can we go to the playground? I'm like, Son, we were just at the playground for an hour. Your pop-up hates the playground. I would destroy every playground if it was possible. That's how much I loathe it. And then I remember this first, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so you know what I did? For the next hour, I went back to the playground. And I, we went down the slide 387 times again. <laughs> Why? Because I have to die daily. He's not there to meet my needs. He's not there to do what makes me happy. I'm there to do that for him because that's what salvation is. Galatians says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's what doesn't live anymore is my dreams, my desires, my plans. They've been laid down. But now Christ lives in me. So whenever self begins to rise up, you have to remind yourself that this feeling of entitlement, this feeling that I deserve, this feeling that I hope I get better. No, 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 that it all goes to the wayside. And you remind yourself that I'm no longer living, but it's Christ living in me. When he was nailed to the cross and he laid down his life, that was symbolic of me doing the same thing. And here's what I've realized in life, is that true happiness isn't found in what you get. And so many of you think that your happiness is going to be found if I can just achieve this or get that car or have that relationship or live in that neighborhood or, or get this success, then, then that will be success. That will, that will be, ha I'll be happy. And those of you that have done that have realized that, that you may be happy for a moment, but that happiness is fleeting because happiness isn't found in what you get. It's found in the life that you actually give. And I've just found that if I remember how God's redeemed me and I start serving other people and I die to myself, how my relational world begins to thrive as we begin to rid ourselves of selfishness. And so today there's two groups of people I wanna pray for here today. The first one is those of you that you're listening to this message and the Holy Spirit is just convicting you right now because you realize that there's some selfishness in your life. And you realize, man, that there are some areas that I've forgotten how God has redeemed me, how he saved me. It's by his grace. And maybe there's some areas you need to start serving in. There's some areas that you need to go. I've been trying to live right there and I need to begin to die. I'm gonna pray for you in just a second, but there's a second group. And this is a group that I have so much compassion for because you're out there and you're living selflessly. 
Maybe you're in a caretaker relationship or you're, you're a single parent taking care of a whole bunch of kids all by yourself or you're in a relationship with somebody where you're giving love, 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 love and you're serving, you're serving, you're serving and there is no reciprocation taking place at all. And I feel the Lord just really wants me to encourage you this morning because you're constantly serving, you're constantly giving. He, he led me to a scripture in Psalm 37. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. And some of you, you just need to hold on to that. Trust God and keep doing it. Keep serving, keep loving, keep pouring into those kids, keep taking care of that parent. He says, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so I've just come to encourage somebody in South Florida today that if you keep serving, God will serve you. If you keep blessing people, God will be a blessing to you. If you keep loving people, God will love you. You keep adding value to people, God will add value to you. Hold on to his promise here today, church. Let me pray. God, I just come before you. And I thank you that you're a God that meets us right where we are. And some of us, we've been struggling with selfishness. It has been the issue that has riddled our relational world. God, I pray that you would reveal that to us right now. That God, you would begin to convict some areas of our life. Not condemn us, but convict us. And that we would say right now, God, if there's any selfish way in me, if there's any way that is causing turmoil in my relationship, God, that you would reveal that and you'd begin to pluck that out of our lives right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for the, the person that's taking care of other people, that's loving selfishly and caring selfishly, selflessly in life. God, that you would just add value to them in ways like they'd never experienced before. God, that you would bless them in this season, that they would experience your grace and your mercy like never before. And God, I pray for a third group that's out there. It's a group that realizes that they've been selfish in life and that they've tried to do it their way to find happiness and joy and peace. And what they discovered is, is that that way is not working. And what I love about God is God didn't just leave you in a helpless and hopeless situation. The Bible says that God so loves you that he brought a solution. It was his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not experience eternal damnation, but they shall have eternal life. And maybe today, the life that you've been trying to live isn't accomplishing the things that you've been trying all along because the God-shaped void in your life can only be filled by the God who created you. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we could actually experience this life, a life that's more abundant, a life that has meaning and purpose and joy and significance to it. And maybe you're out there today and you've never experienced that life or you experienced it a long time ago, but you walked away and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ? I need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, it begins with a simple yet significant prayer that I'd love to pray with you. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, I see you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I see you back there. Thank you, too. Anybody else? Yes, three. Thank you. Don't miss your moment right here. Anybody else? Lighthouse Point. If you just pray this in your heart as I pray to Allah and say, God, thank you for meeting me right here in the middle of my mess. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I not only ask you to be my savior, but I invite you to be my Lord. 
take control of my life. Don't let me be led by my selfish desires. But God, I, I pray that I would live selflessly, that I would constantly be remembering the grace and the mercy that you've given me, that I would seek to serve others, and that I would die daily so I could walk in your ways and in your truth. God, I pray that you fill me with your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said... 